No. What's your least favorite scary movie? Maybe you're the killer. Cause that cut deep. <laughs> Welcome to What's Your Least Favorite Scary Movie, the podcast where we talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and the absurd in all of our favorite and least favorite scary movies. Because we believe every horror movie rightfully has its fan base, even if we don't always get it. My name is Travis. My name is Jesse, and today we are talking 2022's Scream, aka Scream Five, aka, AKA Five Cream. Cream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a name! Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't, and the thing is, like, I didn't even see it on the title card either. It's not really there. It just has become that. I thought, yeah, I thought it was in the promotional material. Maybe I don't know, because <laughs> they always do that. That's how yes. they always do the naming. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, we're talking Scream today. Yes. Um, first, a quick announcement. Our Patreon episode should hopefully already be up for the patrons in our budget tier mm -hmm. uh, the monthly bonus episode we haven't recorded it yet um but we're going to do our very first commentary track yeah i'm excited to, to none other well we had to pick a classic for us we had to pick one that we know we can riff on mm -hmm. sleepaway camp yeah yeah so hopefully we're gonna record that tonight but if not we'll record it later this week and have it out before the 30th it will be out before the end of the month one way or another. I don't care if we're doing it on Friday, Thursday. It's going up. Yes. Yes. Um, and one second announcement. I need everybody to help me bully Travis because I have a great theme idea for next month. And I've already picked out a movie for that. Okay. Okay. So never mind. Don't help me bully Travis. But uh, we've decided next month's theme is going to be triples is best, triples is safest. Yes. And we're going to be doing um, the third in a <sighs> series in franchises that we've um, covered at least the first two in so far. Oh, wait. So. We, it has to be the first two? Uh, no, not necessarily. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We're going to cover the third maybe in franchises. I was just um, looking for like franchises like... I could do a third movie, and you mm -hmm. could definitely not like watch the first oh, yeah. two and be yeah, fine. Yeah. And that's where my head is going to be with that. That's, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, okay, I cool. forgot that's what we talked about. Yeah, um, we've got a couple that we've talked about the first two so far, but uh, yeah, I think that'll be fun. Plus, scream sex. Yeah, screevy. Uh, <laughs> all right, Travis, do you have some poll results for us? I do. Okay. So last week we talked about Hellraiser. And we just wanted to know who you guys thought the true villain in the movie is. Okay, the options, by the way, are Julia, Frank, Pinhead, or Cricket Man. <laughs> Instagram has 35% Julia, 46% Frank, 8% Pinhead, and 12% Cricket Man. Okay. Twitter, 50% Julia, 42% Frank, 8% Cricket Man, 0% Pinhead. Okay. To me, and I had people message saying that they truly believe it's Julia and Frank. Okay. Which I think is right. But combo. In this right here, you have to pick one. So yeah. whoever you voted for, that's who I'm counting. And for me, I'm going to pick Julia. But I think Cricket Man makes a good sleeper hit. Like a, it's like a dark horse villain for the movie. Hmm. Yeah, I agree, like, the Julia-Frank combo, but if I had to pick one or the other, I mean, Julia chose to do the murders, you know what I mean? Yeah. Frank was skinless, so while I don't condone murder, <laughs> I guess skinlessness, you know, you are under duress in the moment. True. Um, 
Um, okay, that's our poll results. Um, okay. So I do have something that I do want to share. And okay. I don't know if it's best left for the end of the episode or if we can just go ahead and talk about this now. <laughs> okay. Um, there was this page on Facebook. I'm thinking it's a bot, but they recommended our page. I don't know. Like, you can <laughs> recommend businesses. You can recommend pages, stuff like that. I, I got a notification saying that we were recommended one day. So I was curious, and I wanted to check it out. And I'm going to read it for everybody. <laughs> oh, boy. This is a recommendation by Morton Lynn. And he recommends What's Your Least Favorite Scary Movie podcast by saying, Dr. Obodo, Solution Temple, do you need a spellcaster? All kinds of spells, such as business spell, Uh marriage spell, Uh miracle power spell for the pastors. Okay. If you need your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend back. If you need a child. If you have spiritual or physical problem. Success. Making you rich without human blood or sacrifice. Good luck and favor spell. We also cure sickness and diseases like HIV, AIDS, cancer, diabetes, hepatitis B, stroke, cataract, and eyes without surgery. Okay. I advise you contact me for a solution. Okay. Um, that's a really solid endorsement. Um, it's not completely accurate for us. I think the spell casting um, is pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> that's on par. Everything else, not so much, but... Yeah, no, that's definitely, I see that all the time, like, um, you know, when articles are shared and there will be people in the comments, like, actually, you know, talking about the article, and then there will be like, do you want to lose weight in 30 seconds? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Well, listen to Dr. Obodo. Dr. Obodo. Um, we are spellcasters, so okay. if you need us we for are. any of those that's things, true. we are here for you. That's true. Okay. Feel free to cut that if you want to, but I thought <laughs> that that was funny, and I wanted to share that with people. Okay. Okay. Um. So... This is last month of our Pride Month theme. It was a theme that was suggested by a listener, and we both really liked it, but we wanted to not just do, like, the theme to go along with Pride Month. We really wanted it to mean something. Yes. Uh, So we, you know, we've been letting you guys know all month that our Patreon um, proceeds We'll go towards the Trevor Project and a donation at the end of the month. We will be matching that with our own money. Um, Robert Atone has also offered if anybody wants to independently donate and send him proof of how much they donated, whoever donated the most will get a signed copy of each one of his books. Yes. And we wanted to do that because we felt that it's really important to acknowledge the good that the Trevor Project does helping LGBTQ youth. And we also wanted to acknowledge that it's important to talk about LGBTQ issues, stories, cast and crew, writers, directors, um, because horror has historically been a place that has been available for the queer community to tell stories even in times when they couldn't always be overt about it Mm -hmm. and we thought that was really important for us to talk about um we tried to do our best with it and hopefully this is something we can do every year and do a little bit better and better each year and i did not know what i would pull for this last episode because you know i've been pulling statistics and i decided that it would be good for folks who may not know how pride started to briefly touch on the history of it um i'm not a historian so Mm -hmm. definitely you you would probably there's so much to read about it online 
But essentially, what happened is that in the 1950s and 60s, it was a bad time to be openly LGBTQ in the United States. And most bars and clubs that were available for LGBTQ folks to be openly queer were ran by the mafia. One such club was the Stonewall Inn, which was bought by the mafia, didn't have a liquor license, didn't have running water, and it was frequently raided by police, as were many other LGBTQ establishments at the time. However, tensions were rising. We, in the 1960s, we were going through anti-Vietnam protests. We were going through the civil rights movement. There was definitely a counterculture movement happening, and LGBTQ folks were getting fed up. A frequent occurrence during these raids were patrons were lined up. They were required to present identification. If anybody was in women's clothing, they were taken to the to the restroom to confirm what their genitalia was. If you were in drag, you were immediately arrested. Jesus. If you did not have identification, you were arrested. One morning around 1.30, June 28, 1969, police came in. They raided the Stonewall Inn. This was a club that was nearby Christopher Park, where a lot of homeless LGBTQ folks, especially homeless LGBTQ youth, slept. They were frequent patrons of this place. This was a frequent safe haven for those folks. One night during this raid, things were different. The folks in drag refused to go to the restroom. Men refused to provide their identification the cops called for backup, and they were going to arrest anybody who was not complying. Other folks were free to go, but they did not leave. They stayed out on the sidewalk. A crowd drew. It grew about 10 times. They started throwing pennies, beer bottles, rocks, bricks. A fire was lit inside of Stonewall, and Marsh P. Johnson later stated that it was the police that started the fire in the building. The next year was the first celebration of a Pride March. Stonewall riots were a movement that said LGBTQ folks will not be forced to be inside, to live in this tiny little bubble. We should be able to be free and open in who we are without constantly being harassed, without it being illegal, without having to be arrested. So pride marches started the next year. They have grown over the past 50 years. And they are so important because sometimes those are the only places that folks feel comfortable and safe and welcome to truly be themselves. And I don't know if you have ever met somebody and the only place that they can be their true authentic self is a place like Pride or a place like Southern Comfort Conference. Seeing those people and then seeing them have to go back out into the real world and hide as themselves, even though we have been fighting for years for our rights is not okay. It is not okay that lawmakers are banding gender-affirming services. It's not okay that they are trying to push everybody back into the closet. Pride is important. It is a protest. It is saying we are here. It is saying that we will not take it. It's saying that we care. We love one another. We deserve to be here. We deserve humanity. Um, everyone out there, we love you. We appreciate you listening to us. Um, if you have been adversely impacted by any of the bullshit going on, please know you have our support. 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, scream? Scream. Scream. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Let's talk about Scream now. All right. Scream released January 14th, 2022. We watched it on our 4K. Yes. But it is also available as of the day of this recording through Paramount Plus or Prime Premium. You can also rent it through Redbox, YouTube, Google Play, or Voodoo. It was written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick, based on characters by Kevin Williamson. Directed by Matt Bedinelli, Open, and Tyler Gillette of Radio Silence. Music by Brian Tyler. In special effects makeup by Rick Poor, who is the head. Uh, Jeff Goodwin, James Jenkins, Tony Rosen, and Jason Willis. I tried to see if they were like part of like a whole company, and I couldn't find anything definitive. I'm sure they are. Um, it was not listed on any of their IMDb's or on the Wikipedia. Yeah. So, starring Melissa Barrera, Sam Carpenter, Jenna Ortega as Tara Carpenter, Mikey Madison as Amber Freeman, Jack Quaid as Richie Kirsch, Jasmine Savoy Brown as Mindy Meeks Martin, Mason Gooding as Chad Meeks Martin, Dylan Minnette aka Wallows as Wes Hicks, Sonia Ammer as Liv McKenzie, Nev Campbell as Sydney Prescott, Courtney Cox as Gail Weathers, David Arquette as Dewey Riley, and Roger L. Jackson as the voice of Ghostface. Travis, budget or bug Ted? I'm going to go with budget on this. You would be correct. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> big franchise making a big return. Yeah. Uh, $24 million budget. Made thirty million its opening weekend and one hundred and thirty-seven million worldwide gross. Dang, that's good. Currently sitting at a six point three out of ten on IMDb. That's also good. Yes, I pulled three movies um, that are either remakes, sequels, or uh, requels. Okay, I think I got one of each from twenty twenty-two. Not bad. Okay. Uh, the first one, Good Night, Mommy. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. A remake of one, honestly, from not that long ago. Yeah. I don't understand why that one had to be remade, I guess, for an American version. Either way, the original didn't really catch me. No. No. I Yeah. I, I didn't get the hype for it. That's just one of those that didn't, didn't tickle our fancies. No. Uh, that was released September 16th, 2022. I could not find a budget or gross on it, but it is sitting at 5.7 on IMDb. That's not terrible. Second movie, Hellraiser. Hey. Hey. <laughs> that released October 7th, 2022. Again, couldn't find a budget or a gross. That one went straight to Hulu, I think. Yeah, it did, yeah. Uh, and that is at a 6.0 out of 10 on IMDb. That's better than I'd expect. Which I'm I'm glad there's there's probably a lot that could be said about that one as well, uh, especially in context of our Pride Month coverage. Yeah. Um, but maybe for a future year. Oh, for sure. I'm sure we'll cover that one eventually. Yeah. We'll, we'll cover more of the Hellraiser, whether you like it or not. No, actually, I liked the 2022 though. Uh, and then finally, Orphan First Kill. Hey. Which is actually a prequel. Yeah, that's a fun movie. <laughs> yes, that was that was unexpectedly fun. Yeah, uh, we put it on not expecting it to be nearly as enjoyable as it was. Uh, that released August nineteenth, twenty twenty two. That had a budget of ten million and grossed thirty seven million. Dang! It has a five point nine out of ten on IMDb. I'm surprised it made that much, considering it went straight to streaming too. Yeah, but uh, 
don't know. I I would recommend it, honestly, I if you liked too. the first one. Yeah, it's Even fun. if you didn't necessarily like the first one, it's still pretty fun. No, you don't even have to watch it. Yeah. I mean, like, it's uh, it's its own thing. Yeah, yeah, you don't. You It's got, like, little callbacks to the first one, but you don't have to have seen it to enjoy it. Okay. I have three taglines. Okay. Just three. Um, one, the one that's on the poster, and it's very important to state that it's on the poster because it says... The killer is on this poster. I like that. I think that's really cool. I like it, but also it's kind of like, well, if you're a fan of the franchise, that has pretty much always been true, I think. Yeah, but it's making the poster meta also. <laughs> uh, the second one, it's always someone you know. I mean, yeah. It is. I mean, it's saying the it's, same thing. Yeah. Uh, well, I think in the third one, it wasn't someone sitting he knew. She hadn't like interacted with him at all until she got to the house and she's like, who are you? That's true. Yeah. Never mind. It's not always. And there's also not always two. Yeah. Okay. And then the third one, I'm sure you're going to know how I feel about this. Don't see it alone. I don't like that one either. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's like more of a recommendation or a suggestion than like a tagline for the movie. Don't be the loser in the theater by yourself. Yeah. Just kidding. I don't judge people that go to the theater by themselves. I don't either. Yeah. Do your thing. Yeah. Enjoy your movie. Now, obviously, this movie ties into our Pride Month coverage um, because Kevin Williamson, as a queer man and the founder of the franchise, mm-hmm. that's important. And then we've also got the character of Mindy Meeks Martin, who is just very openly gay, and it's not like a whole thing, which I think is kind of refreshing. And also, she doesn't fall into the barrier gay trope. I got a few fun facts about this. Okay. Because the Weinsteins, the Weinstein company, fell after you know all of the allegations and whatnot, yeah. finally came to light Thank in God. 2017. Yes. Let, uh, let it rot. Yeah, <laughs> Spyglass Media Group purchased the rights. Um, Kevin Williamson is an executive producer for this. He was originally contracted for um, the fifth movie, but that was, you know, prior to everything going down. Wes Craven was also planning to return for a fifth and sixth installment, but he refused to do so unless he could have a full final script beforehand. And then, of course, unfortunately, he passed away shortly after the release of Scream 4. Yeah, I think I remember 4 was like part of a new trilogy originally. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they planned for this one. Um, they announced it in March of 2020 and they were going to start filming in May. And then I don't know entirely what happened. Um, but something forced them to push back the filming a little bit. I can't really recall any big events in 2020. Um, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, but (laughs) filming got pushed back to, um, Still earlier than I would have expected, uh, September to November 2020. Um, And then finally, they wanted to avoid leaks, as is, you know, the proud tradition of the Scream franchise. So what they did was they produced several different versions of the script, and they shot a bunch of additional scenes. Oh, really? Yeah, so I want to find those scenes somewhere. That's kind of normal anymore, right? 
Yeah, I think it is nowadays, but I think especially in this franchise, it's very important. And with Kevin Williamson being an executive producer and having the experiences with the script that he's had in the past, I yeah. think he was a little bit extra protective, even though he wasn't directly writing them. I don't think he's involved in this one at all, is he? He's an executive producer. Yeah, but like, what does it even mean? Like, they. Like, I think he had more involvement as an executive producer than like some executive producers do. Probably, but yeah, I always feel like executive producers just. Like a, a, it's a role given to somebody just to like put their name on it just to like give people faith in something generally that's how i feel about it but i could be wrong he could have had an influence in it yeah no what i got from reading was that like he did have like a say and stuff and i think he was actually part of um picking i don't remember if it's him um that like picked radio silence as the directors okay well i mean they did do pretty good with ready or not mm-hmm I really enjoyed Ready or Not. We should cover that sometime. Yeah, we should. Yeah, it's a fun movie. Okay. Are you ready for Good, Bad, Ugly, and Absurd? Okay, let's do it. Okay, okay. Am I leading off? Yeah. Yeah, Travis, what's good about this movie? Um, What is good about this movie? (laughs) Come on, man. I'm trying, no, I'm trying to collect my thoughts here. Um, I will say, I feel like one of the weaknesses is connecting the group to uh, the past to make it relevant to why Ghostface would want them. But I do like this new cast of characters. Okay, I think that they are a fun bunch to follow in this. Um, I like Jack Quaid a lot. Jack Quaid is one of my favorite actors right now. Yes. Anything he's in, he's usually pretty amazing in it. Um, even though he kind of plays the same guy and everything, I think it's perfectly fine because I love that guy. Um, I don't know. I feel like Huey would be afraid of Richie. Yeah, probably, but still, <laughs> minus those things, he acts and behaves and has like the same like sarcastic... Uh, behavior or mouth that he does in every other movie he's in. Um, I feel like the uh, the kills are pretty good. I like the fact that this... Uh, I do like how they kind of tie this one into the original with it being like ending at Stu's house. Yeah. I thought that that was a great reveal. Um, and that's about it. Okay. That's about all I could think of right now. I like that um, I like how they weren't afraid to like they didn't feel the need to pull any punches in terms of the visceral nature of the attacks. Yeah. Like it's violent in a way that I think maybe the originals could have been if it was a slightly different climate at the time, you know? What do you mean? Um like the, you just see so much more of the gore on screen. Oh no, but I mean I don't I feel like the climate before like we've had gory movies for through all decades. I don't yeah. really feel like Scream like there was anything like other than Kevin Williamson and Wes Craven keeping the gore out of the franchise beforehand. I mean like notoriously they had to change some stuff around because of Columbine. Yeah, I and guess they had that's a true. lot of stuff that they had to cut in order to get an R rating. We've talked about this. Yeah, but I don't know. I guess I guess that's true. They've they've had to change things. That's true. Yeah, I just it was like shockingly violent at times in a way that I feel like 
is almost a meta commentary on the franchise itself. Yeah. Um, and I like how much of a himbo Chad is. I always love a himbo character. Um, and and I I love him. Um, and thankfully we get to see more of him. How? In Scream Six. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I I like. I like the story they came up with. I think it was um, pretty interesting and it gave us a lot of ways to call back to the original movies. And I think that's fun to look for. And I think Dewey really gets to shine in this movie. Does he? He does. He doesn't shine at all. He like, they just basically have him as a character to like laugh at and make him pathetic. I mean, I'm not talking about how the other characters respond to him. I'm talking about him as a character. Like, he has his moments, and I appreciate that he gets his moments. Yeah, he gets his screen time. He gets to be funny, and I mean, like, funny on his own. Like, the way he speaks about things and responds to things. I'm not necessarily saying, like, oh, we're going to laugh at Because I do agree. The other characters are very shitty to him. It's like, oh, yeah, let's all dump on him. It's not even just the other characters. (laughs) (laughs) I'll go into that here in just a few seconds. All right, go ahead. What's your bad? I hate how they just straight up destroy his character in this movie. Like, the last time we saw him, he was the sheriff of Woodsboro, and everything was going fine for him. Like, him and Gail were having their obvious spat, but, like, by the end of that, they usually work it out, but, like, now in this movie, it's been like what nine years, and he, he his life has gone to shit. And like for like such an important and good character in the previous movies, they really just like yeah, look how a piece of like how much of a piece of shit he is now. Like look how much his life sucks, and then they kill him. I don't think he's like a piece of shit. I think he's a dude going through a rough time, and he didn't have anything. Everybody is forcing him to pull himself out of that hole. Everybody is consistently shitting on him. It, anytime you get like life, like slice of life for him, it's always some of the most sad and depressing shit. Like he's at home watching Gail on the news in his like trailer, and then he is like later on forced to reveal to Gail that he was asked to retire as sheriff. Like, it, like not one time, even whenever he goes back to try and like redeem himself, like always got to get the like shoot him in the head. Like that's supposed to be his moment where like he's like, OK, Dewey finally did it. But no, like that's how he dies. Like they kill him. I just I don't really like what they did with the character. I, I understand trying to make the movie have stakes. I respect that. But at the same time, if you're going to do that, when every other character gets stabbed in the stomach or like Jenna Ortega, Tara in the opening scene gets straight up demolished and then survives. I don't buy it necessarily as much because everybody in this movie gets stabbed. Gail, Sydney, Tara gets like fucking destroyed at the opening. Um, and this even goes on to like two also like people just straight up get cut up and like and it's like, OK, I put a bandaid on. I'm fine. That's basically how they treat it. But then when Dewey does, like, he like straight up just gets. It's 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 just I don't know. It's just respectful. Okay. And the stakes are high, but then at the same time they're not. I don't like it. And also I don't really like the uh, the ghost Billy Loomis. No, the the de aging effects on him are very uncanny valley. Yeah, it's unnecessary. You don't have to have him there, like. You, it, he can be a voice. You don't have to like visually see him. 
And even like I don't know, I don't really care for that. Like let let Sam have her own thing. She can like still deal with that trauma, but like you don't have to like straight up have Billy present for that to land harder. You know what I mean? Just like let her learn about that, and then that you can leave it at that. Okay. I think for me, a lot of the characters felt a little one note. Like you don't get a whole lot of them. Um, You're right. They they are all very one note. You got um, Chad the himbo. He's just a himbo the entire time. You got his girlfriend Liv. She's just like the girlfriend that is like I don't know. She's just like your stereotypical girlfriend. You got Mindy who is like don't don't make a face at me like that. Well, Travis, what is a stereotypical girlfriend? I don't know. She like I feel like they always like have like every scene that they're in together. They have like the like high school girlfriend boyfriend like many arguments bad. Like, I don't know. I don't feel like I get a moment of them actually being, like, true, like, believable people together. Okay. Uh, Mindy's, like, the Randy and the horror sarcastic nerd. Uh, yeah, Tara's, like, just straight up the victim the entire time. And then they try and paint Sam as, like, the hero the entire time. I don't know. I, I see what you're saying, though. Sorry, I didn't mean to take over yours. Go ahead. Okay. Um, what I was going to say is that you get like little hints and pieces of most of them, but most of them are relegated to side characters, which we've seen that the Scream franchise give side characters a little bit more depth with a little less screen time before. And I feel like it just misses the mark with them. Like they wanted to play up like Mindy being this sarcastic movie knower, like the trivia master, but she loses some heart because she honestly kind of comes across as a psychopath in some of the scenes because she's like not reacting emotionally to anything that's happening in a way that is like alarming when you're like taking notes and I am a big Mindy fan so it was kind of upsetting watching it last night being like does she say anything that is like not yeah horrible you're right like she knows that she's in a movie and like it's like that's her and like in real life can you imagine hanging out with that type of person like it would be exhausting and then Amber, we get to know basically not at all. Um, oh, yeah. She's the overprotective friend. Yeah. And it's just like we don't get a sense of why she's overprotective. And I think they spent so much time trying to build this stuff with Sam and Tara. And I do feel like they are more fleshed out because we get a lot more of their background. And I think Jenna Ortega does really remarkably considering most of her stuff has to be done from a hospital bed. Um. I just I, I'm left wanting a little bit more and we do get more in the in the follow up for, you know, the characters that are left. But there there's a little bit more that I wanted from the characters to feel stakes on their end, you know, not just stakes with the characters that we already know and love. This one's more build up. The sec- like Scream 6 is more. Let's now let's have fun. Yeah. This one, like, they have to explain why everybody is, like, a part of this, why Ghostface is relevant with this new group, and it's it spends so much time doing that that it forgets to have fun. I don't know, like, I will say Wes, I think, is probably of the side characters, the one we get, like, humanized the most, and he ends up getting killed. yeah. Um, but like, you know, we get these moments, whether or not like what your opinion might be on Judy Hicks, like you do get these sweet moments where like, he's like listening to her advice. Like he cares about her safety, but he's also like trying to be protective because 
she worries about him. Yeah. And like him setting the table for their sushi is just like so heartbreaking when we know she's dead already. Like yeah. you get a sense of the two of them almost immediately. Yeah. And I wish that all of the characters could have gotten that. Like you don't necessarily have to like go into their whole background, but little things like that where you get you get more of a sense of who they are. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, so that was really like my biggest complaint this time around watching it. Like I've said before, I go back and forth on this movie every time I watch it. Mm-hmm. So that was probably what got me the most this time was how little we get of the characters in this movie. Okay, I could see that. Um, if we're doing ugly, mm-hmm. I mean, my ugly is like Dewey's life in this movie. It's so upsetting. It's so depressing. I just hate seeing my boy go down like this. It is depressing, but I will also say one of the things that the Scream franchise has done pretty well is talk about, like, the different ways people handle trauma, whether or not it's always healthy. You know, like, we saw Sydney's isolation in Scream 3, and I think, not that I love that this is the way Dewey's life went, it's not unheard of for somebody to spiral after, you know, a nasty divorce and... Yeah, I'm not saying it's forced out of his job that he's had his whole adult life. I'm not saying it's unrealistic. I'm just saying I don't enjoy it. Yeah, I don't like it. He's a character. He's a movie character for me. I've seen him get stabbed so many times and like nine times. Yeah, it's a lot. And then (laughs) he's always bounced back. He's always done great. He cut a book like he cut open a book and proposed to her. (laughs) That's how he ended the third movie. Like he. Yeah, it's fine. I don't know. It's just I don't like it. It's not. I'm not a fan of it. It really impacted my enjoyment of the movie. I think for me, it was seeing him and Gail on screen together. Considering you know David Arquette and Courtney Cox have gone through a divorce in real life by this point. Um, it was interesting seeing that play out, though. And you like, feel the tension between them, and it's yeah. very notable that there's only the one scene where they're actually together and then we have Gail grieving Dewey and I think there's there's always been real life emotions tied to their characters and I think there's something with that too. It felt more real and raw watching yeah. them in this moment here. It was definitely it was definitely interesting knowing everything going on. And, and I mean we all know that I'm a big fan of people that fall in love on set because that's why I, I love um Sarah Michelle Geller and Freddie Prince Jr. because yeah. they fell in love on set yeah. and they're still together and they take sweet. their children to Disney and it's cute. Um, they're people. <laughs> they're people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it is sad when like things like that happen and it doesn't work out, especially when their connection is to something that is like, I feel like such an important part of my like media consumption. Yeah. So that's my ugly. Okay. Uh, my absurd is that the killers met on Reddit, <laughs> like the stab subreddit of all things. And that's how we get our new batch of killers this time around. Like, it's so weird to me. Like, it, it felt like what's the most uh, current app that people use to communicate, like social media, and we we'll just use that. Okay, but here's the thing. The Scream subreddit is kind of a cesspool, so I can see it. I've never been to the Scream subreddit. Um, there's like, there's a lot of good stuff on there. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the whole thing. It's a cesspool. It's kind of like when people say Twitter is a cesspool. Like, yeah, it is. But like, also, there's good stuff. Yeah. You know, um, same with Reddit. But like, people like really get argumentative about like different things. And there's a lot of like, 
objectification of the women in the franchise in a way that um, I'm uncomfortable with. And then, flash, that's just the internet. Well, exactly. Um, but the Scream subreddit in particular, and like they talk about like people get almost like way too argumentative about their favorite ghost faces. And for a while, like there was this whole like headbutt of um, Jill versus Amber. Yeah, well, I just feel like all of the other movies before they like legitimately tied to the past. And that's kind of the whole thing with this right here, right? It's supposed to tie to the past, but like in a way it does, but at the same time, what it comes down to is toxic fandoms. Mm -hmm. And that's really the source of your two killers in this movie. And when you stack that up with the rest of them in the franchise, it's just the weakest motive out of all of them. Personally, to me, I just I think that that's uh, I know you got to find a way to make them care about this since Sydney's not involved anymore, even though she kind of is, but wasn't originally like just making it a toxic fandom thing. Like, OK, sure. I kind of love it on their part because like it's almost it's almost like a manipulative tactic where anybody who's upset about the movie coming back, they can be like, well, that's the whole point of the movie. Like, it's like preemptively gaslighting or something. (laughs) I don't know exactly the right term for it, but it just like almost feels like, ha ha ha, we already know what you're going to say and we're going to say it first. That's, you know, getting out in front of it. Like, I respect it. Um, But at the same time, no. My absurd yeah. is that everybody consistently only refers to Billy Loomis as being the first killer. It's even part of the reason that um, Tara ends up getting attacked in the beginning because that's the question she gets around because she says Billy Loomis. And like throughout the rest of the movie, people will be like, Billy Loomis, Billy Loomis, Billy Loomis and his friend. And the whole thing started with Amber because her parents bought Stu Mocker's house. I just think it's really funny that like he keeps getting overlooked until right at the end. Do you think her parents, like did they just move there? Or had she grown up there and just learned that it was Stu's house? Cause like maybe they bought it after the events of the first movie and it was cheap because there was like a bunch of murder. Oh, I definitely feel like that's why they got the house. Yeah. I feel like they got a good deal on it. Probably. Um, I think that They'd been there for a while, like enough for Amber to become entrenched in like the online message boards and whatnot. Um, meet Richie, devise this whole plan, and become BFFs with Tara to the point that she leaves her spare inhaler at Amber's house. You know. Yeah. I also think it's like a little bit concerning that nobody's concerned about Richie dating a high schooler. Well, that gets revealed. So far at the end that it's like, okay, well, there's so much else. Yeah, there's so much else going wrong right here. Um, Like, that's problematic. But I also get the, like, feeling like um, this was their first time meeting IRL. Yeah. I don't think so. I think that they, like, there are moments in the movie where they clearly were together, like the opening. Uh, yeah, but I mean, like, the events of this movie being the first time. Oh, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like maybe, like, Richie kept saying, like, oh, yeah, no, we'll do it after everybody's dead, baby. But, like, <laughs> yeah, okay. maybe he's, like, really trying to stall until she's 18. Groomer. Cool. <laughs> All right. I don't, want, yeah. I don't like Jack Quaid being like that. No, I want him to be Petite Huey and singing along to some Billy Joel and having his girlfriend eviscerated in front of him. Yeah, even as yeah. a... As a ghost face, he's like he's so pretty good. I like him. Um, 
I feel like he kind of plays the stew type of unhinged. Oh, no, I think Amber does that so much better at the end. Like, she even, like, spits when she's monologuing at the end. Does she? Yeah. Oh, shit. I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, (laughs) I think she definitely channels stew. Okay, so um, I'm going to rate this thing. See, I watched it last night, and I enjoyed it more. I know that I haven't really said a whole lot good about it, but, like, I did have a good time watching it last night. I mean, it's Scream. Like, there's not a bad one in the series, but I do think it's the worst one. So I'm going to give it, like, I'll give it, like, a 7. That's that's where I'm at. I'm yeah. at a seven with it. I don't. I do think it's enjoyable most of the time, but like, it definitely, it feels different. It feels different, and not even just like in a this is a reboot kind of way, but like, you know, like in the original Scream, they did a good job of setting up the characters and the premise enough to get you invested emotionally in everything that's happening. Yeah. In this one, they're tasked with doing the same thing, but also tying it back to the original. So it's definitely a harder ask. That being said, they still kind of missed the mark on it a little bit for me. I think they would have been better off just not even trying to tie it to the original movies at all. And just like, yeah, like you can have people like fans of Stab just do Stab shit. Or just keep Dewey, like have him be the only legacy character. Yeah, like, just keep him around. Like, I mean, it seems like Courtney Cox would... She's so into this series that she'll be there for every movie, as far as I can tell. So her and, like, uh, Dewey together, I think, would have been fine. Sydney, obviously, not a different story. I'm going to tell you my thoughts on Sydney when we get to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know you know, and I feel like I've said it on air before, but, like, I'm going to, you know, in context of the episode, I'll talk about it then. Okay, well, let's get into it then. All right. So Tara is making some macaroni and cheese. Um, I think that's what she is doing. Anyway, <laughs> I uh, I I've, in my mind she's got calf macaroni and is uh, high and mighty about the Babadook. Oh God! Um, oh, can yeah. I just say like my two other alternatives for um, the opening for today's episode? Yeah. Were um, you are my boner pills? Okay. And uh, it's an amazing meditation on motherhood and grief. <laughs> Amazing meditation on motherhood and grief. Mm-hmm. Talking about the Babadook. Yeah. <sighs> oh, there's another connection to Pride Month. Babadook? Oh, yeah. <laughs> forgot about that. Um, Mr. Babadook is gay. Yeah, I, I forgot. To, <laughs> so, yeah, so she's getting the call from Ghostface, mm-hmm. and they are talking about, like, scary movies. Well, here's the thing that I immediately was like, this is weird. We can't. <laughs> Tara's texting Amber, and she's like, the fucking phone line won't stop ringing. And I expected Amber to be like, "Who still has a phone? Who still has a landline?" But instead, she was like, "Oh, is it Wes?" <laughs> <laughs> People do, man. Like my mom and dad still have one. Well, your mom has a home business, so well, that makes still. a little bit more sense. Yeah, other than that, if she didn't have that, she'd probably not have it. But mm-hmm. still, like some people do. But she answers, and it's Ghostface, and Ghostface is pretending to be a friend of her mom named Charlie. Charlie. Yeah, Charlie from Group. And I feel like that has to be a call to... The Scream 4. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, he's like, you can tell that this is um, Richie just because of the cadence of the way he's speaking. I feel like this is like the the voice actor, Roger Jackson, is that his name? Yeah. He does a good job of, like, matching some of the cadence of how they speak. Yes, he does. There's definitely, like, like... 
Scream 4, we didn't go into it throughout all of the calls, but there were definitely calls where I was like, that was 100% Jill. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, right here, you can tell he wasn't expecting her to question anything about him knowing her mom because she said, oh, you know my mom how? He's like, um, group together. And she's like, oh, yeah, what did she say about me? Um, what did she say? Hmm. Well, she yeah. likes you. She, she likes that you are liking scary movies, no, which no, we are no. going to be talking about here. No, 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 no. What he says is that you like music and art and movies. I like the way he scary says Scary movies. movies. And that's the only thing Tara latches onto. I wish yeah. that like she had thrown him for a loop and be like, yeah, my mom taught me how to paint. And then he's like, how do I pivot it back to scary movies? About, movie, <laughs> about painting. You know, I like the way he says movies. And movies. Scary movies. Yeah. She's really proud of making you a fan. Yeah. Um, and he asks, what's her favorite? She says the Babadook. And this is when she goes into her whole thing about elevated horror. And Tara is a little tiny pretentious horror fan. And I cannot well, yeah, stand it. Yeah, she's a fucking high schooler. I don't give a shit, man. I, didn't, I, I wasn't like that pretentious when I was in high school. It's like, yeah, fuck yeah, Halloween. Give me, give me some Halloween 4 action right now. I'm just saying every high schooler is pretentious about something. I wasn't pretend. Well, okay, I was pretentious about music, probably. Um, probably about that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody felt above their own shit in high school. I just and hate- this is. This is the hill that we're dying on with Tara. This should be. This should, really should have been part of my bad. I forgot about this, but yeah, it it started the whole term elevated horror, and I can actually talk about this like <laughs> for a good reason on this podcast now. But elevated horror. Is the dumbest fucking term ever because I feel like it's a way to make people feel better about the movies that they like when in reality, like it doesn't fucking matter. Like if one movie takes itself more seriously and the other movie is like dumb as hell, but it's fun. Like they're both, they can both be equally good. Here's the thing. I like both of them. I do think it's good to have some sort of a term for different types of movies that aren't just like elevated makes it above the others. Yeah, that's what I'm saying though. Like, I, I don't necessarily agree with elevated horror, um, but like other movies that she mentions, The Witch, Hereditary. Yeah. Um, I just, what's the other one? Uh, I mean, The Babadook. No, she mentions she mentions another one, a third one. I have no idea. <sighs> okay. It doesn't matter. Either way, like, I mean, it's just like, it's just a way to make people like, if you like these, you are beneath me. Like, you are just like a dumb horror fan. It's just stupid. I hate it. I wish that Ghostface called her out on it in this moment. But he's like, no, I like the schlocky stick. I like Stab. Have you seen any of the Stab movies? And she hasn't because that's uh, not her thing. She saw one a once time at a slumber party when she, she was 12. She did not even care about it. Look, here's the thing. Our whole thing is that like one type of horror fan isn't better than another. And she is pretentious, yes, because she is a high schooler. I don't think she's a better or worse horror fan because she doesn't like the Stab movies. Oh, that's and not what I'm trying to say. I don't think you're a better or worse horror fan because you don't like The Witch. That's not what I'm trying to say, and thank you for recognizing that. <laughs> um, but yeah, she um, she doesn't know anything about the Stab movies, so they um, he wants to play a game, and she hangs up because now she's starting to freak out because he uses her name, which yeah. they had not gone over yet. Okay, but 
Also, I don't understand why she's freaked out by that because clearly her mom has spoken about like yeah, that's true. I from her perspective, that. Charlie knows about her from her mom talking about her in a group, so it makes sense that she would have mentioned her name. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so Amber and her have been texting this whole time, but then whenever the phone rings again, Amber's like texting back saying, "You should answer that." And then she's like, "How'd you know that my phone was ringing?" She goes, mm-hmm. "I'm not Amber." Oof. Except I like wrote not in quotations on my um Yeah, notes. that's totally yeah. still Amber texting, <laughs> which I think is funny whenever you think about it. I like that she gets these text messages saying like, oh, it's super easy to clone a phone. And then he's like, Amber looks particularly fetching tonight, doesn't she? And it's just like a video of Amber like running her fingers through her hair yeah, in just front of her vanity, vanity for yeah. like five minutes. Like that's all she <laughs> yeah. does. That's all we know about Amber is she really loves her hair. Yeah. <laughs> and she hates... Everybody except for Tara, but she probably also hates Tara. <laughs> yeah. So um, instead of, well, basically she has to play stab trivia mm-hmm. to save Amber's life. But I like that we had somebody that was like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? Pull a fucking IMDb. Yeah. Well, that's a thing now. <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess it was technically still a thing in four, but like Kirby didn't need it. Kirby was mm-hmm. like on top of that shit. Uh, yeah. And I like that she's using IMDb like to get the... Like, who's the person, like, that played Casey Beckard in it? Yeah. uh, But she doesn't know who the killers in Stab 1 are, which she didn't check because she was so confident that it was Billy Loomis, Mm -hmm. but nope, Billy Loomis and Stu Mocker. Mm -hmm. So now Amber's going to die, and now Tara's going to die. So, yeah, so Tara's like, all right, Amber, I'm coming for you, and she runs out, except Ghostface is right there at the front door, um, stabs her, she closes the door. She's got like a thing on her phone. I guess like they have Google Home or whatever where it like locks the door automatically. Yeah. Um, and this is actually pretty good because like it'd be like system armed, system de-armed, system armed, system de-armed or disarmed, whatever the word is. Um, yeah, it's a cool way to like incorporate yeah. modern technology. It incorporates modern technology and it also is like fucking terrifying um, because like of how easy it was like. This is the 2022 version of like having a hide a key rock in your front yard and somebody easily finding it. You know what I mean? I also feel like these would be super easily hacked or something. Like you could probably breach whatever yeah. security thing that they have. I mean, it's like I the videos know. we watch with people that hack into people's home security cameras. Yeah, that shit's terrifying. And to clarify, like we're not looking into how to hack into people's um, home security cameras. We are. Like, watching the results of people doing that. Yeah, it, it's, it's always scary. scary. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so unsettling. So, yeah, she gets, like, brutalized, and then it seems it's like she's being killed. It's a brutal attack. I mean, like, I think Ghostface stabs her, like, at least ten times. Stabs her through the hand. He, like, steps on her leg and breaks it. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been stabbed in the gut a few times. She's fucked up. Yep. Um, she's okay, though. Yeah, then we yeah. cut to, well, I don't think she's okay. Um, oh, she's alive. Yeah. Normally, she doesn't in all, die. all other openings, this is a death. But yeah. in Scream 5, she survives. Which I do think like. was a nice, like, whoa, okay, so the, we're, we're a little bit different. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's setting itself apart. Yeah. Um. So we cut to Modesto, California. Oh, God. I'm always disappointed with this right here. You get because- so mad because you think it's... I outcast. think it's going to be outcast because it's like <laughs> playing that dun, 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 dun. Sorry, Miss Jackson. And Ooh. then not only that, but like whenever it's Richie and Sam and like he's trying to comfort her. But then as they go in for a kiss, like you just get DJ Khaled go, another one. 
Like, it's like, <laughs> why the fuck are we having DJ Khaled in this scene right now? This is supposed to be, it's not supposed to be like big or anything, but come on. Like, we're establishing characters here and I'm getting DJ Khaled. But I'm like immediately sold on them as a couple. Yeah, um, I mean, it's believable. At, like, yeah, the way where he's like, excuse me, ma'am, what what did you just take? And she goes, your boner pills. Good luck getting it up now. And hmm. he's like, you are my boner pills. And then they both laugh at how stupid that was. Like, they have... Like a fun banter. Yeah, that's like just you, yeah. That's Jack Wade, and uh, I'm. That might have been her also. I think here's the thing. We'll get into this. Let's just go ahead and get into Let's it now. Let's just do it now. People are uh, people very famously. Well, not, not famously. They shit on her performance in this movie all the time. I think the only per, the only part of the performance she really struggles with is the emotional part where she's like talking about finding out about her real dad. I think also um, just in general, I think that she's not very good at emoting with her face compared to everybody else. Yeah, yeah. No, she's she's, she's better in six. Yeah, by like six, a mile. Yeah, six is like a world of difference, and I don't know if it's a difference in how they directed her. I don't know if it's a difference in the script, um, but it's it's definitely is a world of difference. And I haven't seen the other stuff she's been in, but people said that she's a good actress. There's just something off with this movie. Um, like it's uh, her eyelids are the only thing that will give away her emotion. Like her eyebrows do not; they're stationary. Everything on her face is stationary. Just her eyelids will be like, yeah, that's it. Like, yeah. There's and, just there's something that's a little bit off about her performance in the emotional parts, but everywhere else I think is okay. Yeah, and I, mean, I think she, it doesn't help that she's with Jenna Ortega with her big sad puppy dog eyes. Jenna um, Ortega is fucking crazy. Like yeah. in the opening scene alone, like whenever she's like, I fucking know the answer to this. I know it, I got you, you motherfucker. Like it's really good acting. It's crazy, yeah. yeah. But I, I just wanna, yeah, go ahead and get ahead of it. I think the actor for Sam, Melissa uh, Barrera. 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 She does a good job in this movie. So yeah, she's just I, I not did. the best actor. Yeah, she's not song. the best of the cast. Yeah. I don't think she's a bad actress. I think there's something off. I don't know if it was in the direction and the script they gave her. I don't. I do not know what the full story is, but she does a good job in Six, and I've heard that she's good in her other films. Um, there's just something a little bit off, and maybe it's also just because this this you know franchise has has been, you know, up until now led by Nev Campbell, who your heart just like breaks for at all times. Yeah. Um so I don't know. Well, she gets a phone call from Wes who yeah. informs her that Tara was like attacked, attacked mm-hmm. and she's in the hospital. She's okay, but she decides that she needs to go back to Woodsboro to go check on her. And Richie agrees to go along with her. Yeah. So now we are introduced to the new group of high schoolers. Yeah. We have Wes, Chad, Liv, Amber, and Mindy. Mm-hmm. And they're all kind of talking about what happened to Tara. Yeah. Amber's pissed that Sam is coming in. Yeah. Which is weird, right? Because I mean, it's her yeah. fucking sister. Yeah. It's her sister. She's like, well, she left and whatever. Again, I'm going to excuse this where she's like a high schooler and she's being overprotective of her friend and doesn't understand that life is complex yet. Um, not that like high schoolers can't experience complexity, but like I think she just doesn't understand the nuances of life yet. Yeah. With and that's completely disregarding the fact that she's actually a killer and is actually super stoked Sam's coming. But um. Yeah, right. <laughs> but she's got I think she's gotta like sell it be like, Man, oh man, I wish yeah. you didn't come here. <laughs> Hate her. Oh, <laughs> um, let's see, Liv and Chad are bickering because he won't uh, she won't agree to do the Find My Fam app. Um 
probably because her last boyfriend is stalking her. Yeah. You know, we don't really address this um, because we do get like a brief Kyle Gallner. He's back again. Appearance. We started the month with Kyle. We're ending the month with Kyle. He's a creep in this movie, though. Yeah. He's like this guy that is clearly like in his like at least he's probably our age, like 30s. Yeah. And he is just spying on these high schoolers and like making a little like kissy faces. I live. You know, Richie could have been friends with him. Richie could have. They could have exchanged tips on how to groom high schoolers. Which is even weirder because Amber is the one that kills him. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> I, I don't understand. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. So, so that's that's their whole thing. And also, they haven't had sex yet. Um, let's see. Wes is paranoid because his mom is the sheriff, and she's like instilled safety in him. And we get to see that it's Hicks. Hicks yeah, is the sheriff, and mm-hmm. I like that she. That's a good way to include her. I think it's cool yeah. to keep characters from four, even though it's like, you know, the weird movie in the series that didn't really connect as well with the others. Yeah. So, yeah, we got some continuity there. And then this is where I wrote, because I, like, when we first came out of the movie, I was like, Mindy's my favorite character of the movie. Except, like, when she first opens the mouth, she's completely fucking psychotic about it. She's like, uh... First victims, uh, well, just because she's not dead yet doesn't mean she won't be. And like, she's just like, that's supposed to be one of your best friends. Yeah, that's it's a weird thing like, to say. Yeah. And like, I've got a dark sense of humor. Don't get me wrong. But I like to think that when I say something that's a little bit off the cuff, I balance it out a little bit with the human side of me. Yeah. Um, We don't get those peaks and valleys with Mindy in this one. It's a little bit better in six. <laughs> um, but it is like in this one. Writing notes, being prepared to talk about it, it was a little bit of a stark difference from how I remember her uh, the first few times we watched this. I agree. She's still, like, in terms of a movie, she's still she's an enjoyable She's a fun person. character, yeah. Yeah, but, like, if you, like, try and think about real-life interactions with her, it, it's not as fun. Yeah, because, I mean, like, Kirby was a similar character in Scream 4, yeah. but, like, you also get her, like, reacting emotionally to the shit that's going on around her. Yeah, true. So... Uh, but they all decide to go to the hospital to check on Tara, mm-hmm. except for Liv, who stays behind, which I feel like this was trying to plant her and Vince as the killers, maybe. Like, I wish they had said something, because at one point, Mindy makes a comment about, like, oh, you're too boring to be the killer. I wish Liv had said, like, I can't. I've got class or something. You yeah, know what I mean? Like she's like, I- I'm going to stay behind. Yeah, like, Painter as the good girl, except it like, gets so confusing how they, like, characterize Liv. You get so little about her. Yeah, you really don't get much of her. Um, So, yeah, Richie in the car reveals he's never seen Stab, and this is where um, you know, Ter- or Sam is explaining that it's like based off of real events and yada, 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 and that the character in there, um, a man in a Halloween ghost mask stabbed some teenagers and he goes like Halloween and she was like no no no, it's not like that it's I forget exactly what she says and he's like it sounds a lot like Halloween and she's like you know what you're not wrong it's It's funny it is really funny because when you just describe it like that it's like oh oh hmm." (laughs) kind of yeah a bunch of high schoolers oh yeah well no personal ties in that one though yeah. Scream is all about the the personal mm-hmm. ties. So they arrive at the hospital and Tara's the- actually glad Sam's there. Yeah, she she's happy. She's so excited. And I do love this moment. So 
Sam introduces Richie to everybody there, and she used to babysit all of them because she's five years older. Um, you know, and they're they're all like glad to see her. And then Amber's like being the overprotective friend again, and she's like trying to shoo everybody out. And so they're all gonna leave. And then <laughs> it's such a real human thing. Yeah. <laughs> like we've seen it in action. I remember at our wedding, um, we did the generations dance, which was like you know if you've been married one year. You know, get off the like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we kept trying to leave the dance floor because we're both way too literal. We just got married. Uh, yeah, we we're like, all right, bye. And <laughs> Jamarva kept having to say like, no, you guys stay there. And after like the third time of us like, do we leave now? He was like, everybody who's been married less than twenty years, except for the newlyweds, get off the dance floor. <laughs> just like every single time. Okay, that's my call. <laughs> Okay, um, where are we at? Oh, yeah, so uh, there's this, like, it's such a, t- and again, like, Jenna Ortega's a rising star for a reason, um, because everybody leaves, and she just, like, breaks down to Sam, like, talking about how she was so scared. Like, when her friends were in there, you know, she's just like, yeah, it's so spooky, I can't believe I almost died, and then when it's just Sam in there, she's just like, I was yeah. terrified. I think it's, uh, I think it's a, I'm happy for her success with Wednesday, but I think that it's unfortunate that it's painted the picture of her being like this goth person where like she's always not, she's always at like other range. Like she's in fucking X as like a little like church church mouse. mouse. Yeah. And here she's like super emotional. And then I've not watched Wednesday, but like everybody, that's what everybody knows her as now. And I'm like, nah, like to me, she's like these very, like she's given a lot of like, range which and don't get me wrong i enjoyed wednesday i watched it that was by and large not my favorite jen ortega role and like somebody at work like referred to her as wednesday and for a minute i was like confused and i was like oh you mean jen ortega she goes i don't know her name but that's like her most famous role and i was like but she's been in so much stuff and she's so good (laughs) she's such a good actress yeah (laughs) okay um where are we at okay so okay. the, the crew, um, everybody that is a high schooler decides to go out to the bar. Yeah. Which is weird. I don't understand how they're in a bar, but it's whatever. It's like a pool it's hall, a so I guess it's like they allow people. I'm assuming it's like um, certain places in Richmond where after a certain time you have to be 21 to stay. And um, Well, they're there still. Yeah. And Vince is also there, and he approaches him and offers to buy Liv a real drink. And this gets She's like, oh, right? well, thank you, because my imaginary tea party drink right here is not getting, not quenching It's just like an thirst. empty glass. Yeah. Actually, like, oh, I'm actually allowed to drink with him. Okay. <laughs> um, Chad gets mad, threatens to go beat him up, but like Vince pulls out a knife. Yeah. And Switchblade. Ends, yeah. Which and those then, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure are illegal. It's such like um, a bitch move, too. Like, yeah. Like, if you're the one to start shit, like, don't. I don't know. I always hate it when people like resort to that. Like, oh, okay, so like now we're just gonna do knife shit, so we can't do anything anymore. Okay, whatever. Well, this, we watched Twenty Two Jump Street last night, and that's when they approach the killers, and they're like, "Do you have your guns?" And they're like, "No." no. Do you want a fist fight? And he goes, "Well, no, we have guns. Yeah. So we're gonna shoot you." <laughs> and like, I get it. They were the bad guys, but still. Yeah. Well, he's a bad yeah, guy too. Exactly. He's got a knife, and he's have- got. Honor, you know what I mean. Have yeah, some, have some self-respect. Exactly. As a bad guy. Well, he kicks every he gets everybody kicked out. Yeah. So they're all Which, out there now. I 
do feel like it's kind of bullshit. Like, I get where the bartenders come from. She's like, oh, we're about to do ID checks in like 10 minutes anyway. You guys might as well just go ahead and yeah. leave. But also, it's like she's sending them outside with this deranged 30-year-old with, with an illegal knife. weapon. Yeah. Which I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm honestly shocked that it didn't spill out into the streets because yeah. normally this would be like an altercation that would have continued to grow yeah. outside of the bar. But... No, we are now seeing Vince behind the bar just peeing on the wall. Because mm-hmm. he kicked him out. He can't pee in the toilet anymore, so he's got to pee on the building. Yeah. And this is my favorite use of red right hand in the entire franchise. Diegetic. Yeah. Well, it goes diegetic to non-diegetic, and it's so great. It's a good so transition. Like, yeah. His car turns on, and the radio is playing red right hand, and he's like, what the fuck? Who turned on my car? Like, And the headlights are blasting him, and his tiny pee-pee up against the alley wall. <laughs> Um, I we don't see his PP. I just you know he's got tiny PP energy. So uh, he, yeah, carrying an iPhone. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Um, so he goes over and he like reaches into his car and turns it off, and then the music stops, and it's like silent for a minute, and then he turns around and he's stabbed by Ghostface, and then the music starts non-diegetically, and it's great. I like, I love it. That was the best way to bring it back after it wasn't in Scream Four. Like, yeah. It's, it's good to have it back. It was a good way. It was a good return for mm-hmm. it. All right. So now that that's all done, Richie is watching the stab movies in the hospital room because he's doing his homework. He's like, okay, I'm in a horror movie. I'm in a stab movie probably. I got to watch stab now. I love, though, like once we know the twist that this means that like Richie is actually just like yeah. chilling watching his favorite Book, movie yeah, like, <laughs> yeah be, be, like watching halloween like oh i've never seen halloween okay i guess i gotta do my homework now <laughs> <laughs> and i love how he immediately goes all in because i kind of tend to be like this with franchises once i like them because like i'll watch all of them and then i watch like the youtube videos and yeah. then i'll go like to the subreddit and read the discussions like uh-huh. i get way too into it yeah definitely <laughs> So, yeah, he's doing that, and Sam decides that she's going to go get some food. Yeah. So she goes to the cafeteria in the hospital. One of the things about this hospital is, and I know that this is a horror movie trope, but it is always abandoned. Nobody's ever around, even when the cops are stationed there. Also, listen, I have seen tiny hospitals. Their cafeterias are larger than this, because this is Mm -hmm. mostly just like, Oh, larger waiting room with some vending machines. This like, is like when you go to a hotel and they say continental breakfast, but it's actually just a bagel in the I'm, corner. I can't trust the continental breakfast signs it's ever not again. Even <laughs> I like you guys don't understand. One of my like must haves when picking a hotel, and it doesn't even matter what the occasion is. We got a hotel for Talia's surgery in Cincinnati, and like one of the things I was looking for was breakfast included. Like. Instead, I, I think we stayed in the shittiest hotel in all of Cincinnati. Yes. We could have like broken into somebody's basement and had a better time. Um, and it said breakfast included. And really what it was was like prepackaged muffins. And I was fucking pissed. Yeah. That was um, a, yeah. It, it probably wasn't even there, like there. Like somebody just brought in muffins look, one day and accidentally left them behind. If you don't have a waffle iron, it's not a true continental breakfast. If you don't have apple juice and the little like mm-hmm. thing it's not a continental breakfast if you do not have cereal it's it not, not a continental, continental breakfast. breakfast if you don't have a toaster for the bagels if you don't have little slices of white bread it's not a continental breakfast that's all we ask that's all we ask yeah, like we don't even need a fancy continental breakfast we just need like some variety just don't give me packaged muffins yeah don't give me don't give me an otis spunkemeyer blueberry muffin yeah 
<laughs> I'm very passionate about this. <laughs> Clearly, it's a very, it's a sore subject. Still recovering from that one. So Terry gets a phone call from Ghostface, and she says, "Okay, well, if you want me so bad, why don't you come get me?" And he's like, "Gladly." So he actually attacks her there, mm-hmm. and she actually wins the encounter. And well, because she just spoke to Ghost Dad. Yeah, room. yeah. Um, Billy, Billy champed her up. She's like, "All right, you, you're, you got OG Ghost Face blood mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. your blood right now. So go, go fall over, go chase people around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, maybe get stabbed in the arm, mm-hmm. and then yeah, you'll be good. So that's what happens. And then the cop is called in there, and then Ghost Face is gone." Yeah, and so Sheriff Judy appears. She's very upset that Sam is in town. This is this is a much meaner Judy than I remember. She's um, like, this is her. I wonder if her and Dewey ever got together and like it just fell apart. Because like, I just like just spent so much time in between here. Yeah, and she is just like bitter now. Like she's not bitter, but like she has this like. She's definitely more serious. I don't know. I guess like in four, we just pretty much saw her and she was kind of like infatuated the entire time and like wanting to do police work. But here she is. She has a history with Sam and apparently they didn't have a good history together because she just calls Sam out on her past shit. Which yeah. that's like neither here nor there because that's been a lot of time. But yeah, like is. Sam was a child at that time. Yeah, she was 13. Yeah. And her dad had just left her. Like, and the whole tan knows this. It's fucking Woodsboro. Everybody knows everybody's business. Like, yeah. obviously, she's going to act out instead of being mad at her. Like, I don't know, have some compassion. And that's why, like, Dewey would have still been sheriff at the time. Yeah. And I feel like Dewey would have had compassion for her, but he doesn't seem to recognize her that's at all when they meet later. Thing. Yeah. That, now that she mentioned it, yeah, he would have known her. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Um, But yeah, so she's unamused, but she does tell Tara that she will move her to a private floor, which I do like that they say that because it feels like they're kind of iceboxing the whole like we're going to have a completely abandoned hospital later. Yeah, but Um, still, it's ridiculous that there's just nobody up there. I've heard of a private room, but a private floor. Yeah, right. Come on. That's not real. Also, I don't think that you have the ability to do that because it also depends on hospital staffing. You can't have like the right amount of staff up on that floor just for one person judy yeah and i'm pretty sure like around this time like hospitals were still pretty like yeah. slammed with yeah. all, the, <laughs> all the shit going on with the thing that may or may not have happened yeah so but yeah so um you know sam like once judy leaves sam asks richie to leave and then she tells terry the story of how she learned um about her True parentage, her, it, it's so, honestly, it is a real sad story because, like, she's just up in the attic and she's, like, looking around for her Christmas presents, like a, you know, yeah. spoiled little it's child, all, which is fine, yeah. normal. She finds Harmless. her mom's diary and she's like, I knew my mom got pregnant with me in high school and I thought it'd be really cute to hear the story of how she met dad. And, like, that's just so heartbreaking that that's what she went into it with. Yeah, right. And then she finds out not only did her mom cheat on her dad, she cheated on her she cheated on him with, like, one of the most notorious serial killers of the area. Yeah. And and I'm trying, when they're doing this, I'm trying to think in my head, how does this play out? Because, like, we saw the end of Billy. So did this all go on while he was dating Sid? 
Yeah, when Sydney after Sydney's mom died and Sydney wouldn't have well, when he killed Sydney's mom. Yeah. Um and Sydney wouldn't have sex with him. I'm sure he was like out, you know, fucking Christina. Yeah, and she was in love with him apparently. Like yeah. he could have just had Christina, but yeah. I guess Well, that doesn't play into his like murder revenge plan also roman's whole thing yeah 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 yeah. there's a lot to untangle there with that yeah um but yeah so it it it's a really sad story like i said i i don't know what happened with this and melissa doesn't 100 percent sell it um but it is really sad this is probably her weakest like yeah because like it's it's supposed to be such an emotional scene and i think part of it might be because she's having to share it with jenna ortega who like when kills it yeah when she responds to that she's like why the fuck did you do this like the way that she delivers it why are you she's like i "I need you to get the fuck out yeah she's like why are you dropping this on me i haven't seen you in years and then you come in here and tell me all this shit yeah like because i get i get where Sam's character is coming from like the whole like she's feeling like a burden because she split up her family her mom told her that she wasn't allowed to tell Tara what happened so she feels like she had to distance herself from Tara and she started acting out and then she ran away and I get that and she was doing it out of guilt and out of like a sense of protection to her and then she came in and now she's like hey I feel like this is kind of my fault and I want to tell you this but from Tara's perspective she was abandoned by her sister seems like her mom isn't super you know, present. Her dad abandoned her. Well, she says, like, in this right here, her mom just, like, went cold with her and just started it just not even, like, she just ignored her. Her dad is gone now. Yeah, like... Yeah, like, she's had nobody and then she gets almost murdered and her sister comes and she thinks, like, maybe this is a chance that they're gonna reconcile and then her sister drops, like, some of the heaviest fucking shit trudges up old drama, old trauma for her. Like, I get both of their perspectives on this. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm coming at it from an adult perspective where I understand that um, both sides can be right and wrong simultaneously. And I think that's kind of what is happening here. Emotionally, they're both in an understandable place with it. And she says, I need you to get the fuck out right now. And Sam's like, please let me explain. She goes, I said, get the fuck out. I think it makes it a good moment Mm -hmm. because like you do get both sides of that. You can understand it. And it just it creates real drama for us to believe in this moment. Yeah. But Richie was outside. He overheard the entire thing. And he's like, yeah, I'm still going to be here with you. Yeah. Um, I actually think it's amazing. Like, in his mind, he's like, this fucking awesome. Man. He's like, this couldn't have gone any better. Um, <laughs> so he's like, well, the police aren't going to help you. Your sister's friends aren't going to help you. Is there anybody else who can? So she's like, I have an idea. So they we cut to Dewey's house. And he's got Tatum's ashes. Does he? Yeah. There's. Oh, little, I didn't notice yeah, that. There's a tiny ornate box with a plaque that says Tatum on wow, it. Wow, I've never seen that. Yeah. Oh man. Which I appreciate that they did that because, like, all of the tragedies that they speak of with the original Woodsboro murders, we never touch on the fact that one of the first victims is his sister. Yeah. So I like that he's held on to her ashes. And I want to say, like. Yes, he's in a trailer now, but I don't want to make that seem as if I think that that is part of him being like done shitty because I grew up in a trailer. I think yeah. it's perfectly normal for people to like live in trailers. It's affordable, and especially yeah. like if you're a single person, like yeah. But he's like definitely okay. like he's moved out into like he's downsized. Yeah, and him and Gail were in a fucking huge house before. It was yeah, like, too much house for two people already. He definitely mm-hmm. doesn't need that much for just himself. No, and he's he doesn't ever seem like he's been one that like 
cares about stuff like that. Mm-mm, no. So, but he's a uh, he pours himself some coffee and he turns on the news and he's watching Gail's show in the morning and. My God, man, it's so fucking sad for him. Yeah. Uh, he like he's like laughing at it and it's like you can tell he still misses her. Yeah. And then he gets a knock on the door and it's Sam and Richie. And he says, I'm not up for interviews. And she goes, no, I need to talk to you about something else. And he's like, give me one good reason to talk to you. And she said, I'm Billy Loomis's daughter. And he says, that's a terrible reason <laughs> yeah, for me to that. talk to you. That's, that's a, what I mean. Yeah. I love Dewey as a character in this movie because he like. That delivery. That's a terrible reason. Yeah. Like he's very aware of where he's at in life, but he's also kind of like. Yeah, no, he, he, look. He's doing his fucking thing. David Arquette kills it. He crushes yeah. it this time. He's fucking amazing. Dewey is a great character. I love Dewey. But yeah, it's still sad what they do to him and the position that he, they put him in here, yeah. like having to watch his old wife. So they go in and they ask him some questions, and then he immediately says, "How long have you known Richie?" Yeah, like it's he gets usually to the it. love interest. Fucking calls it first try. He says, "Rule number one: never trust the love interest." Mm-hmm. Rule number two: the motive is always connected to the past. Yes, and then number three: it's always within the friend group. Yes, and I like that this time instead of like. It's like rules on how to survive specifically. Like, yeah, which again, Scream 3 just puts a gigantic fucking hole through this entire thing because it does not play by those rules. Uh, but, well, no, Scream 3, the motive was connected to the past. Well, it wasn't a friend group. Yeah. And it wasn't the love interest. No. So uh, um, do we... He doesn't want to help, so yeah. he like kicks well, him out. Well, he says he's been stabbed nine times, has permanent nerve damage, and a fun little limp. Um, <laughs> he probably thought it was fun since it was his own thing. Like, didn't he do that on his own in Scream Two? Like, yeah. Wes is like, whoa! I didn't even tell you to limp, yeah. man. He's like, it's fun. It's a fun limp. <laughs> um, fun little limp. And they try to point out that like, if it's truly connected to the past, then he's also in danger. And he's like, you just need to leave. Um, yeah. But he does. He calls Sydney, and I really wish that this had been Nev Campbell's only appearance in the movie. Where I know, you know, he's great. like, "Just please promise you won't come back here." And she was like, "No offense, but I have no intention of ever stepping foot in that town ever again." Boom, boom, bye, it. quick, yep. But that's not what happens. But it's a nice moment, and it confirms that she has married Mark mm-hmm. from Scream Three. McDreamy Kincaid was that who he plays? McDreamy. Yeah. Okay. So uh, now, next up, he texts Gail, which I fucking love this whole interaction. He's like, the killer is back, by the way, hi. And it's a little smiley face. Yeah. <laughs> his face that it cuts to after, he's just, Ugh, like he grunts. And you can tell he's just cringing at himself. Face. Yeah, this is so funny. I drew a little smiley face in my notes here. <laughs> um, so Sam has called a meeting of all of the friends, so that way they can maybe, you know, try and suss each other out and Dewey shows up to the friend group meeting and his little theme plays. I love that it's at Mindy and Chad's that way we get to see their whole Randy shrine that they have. It's like a Randy room basically. Yeah. Like it's all dedicated. I like that we get Heather Matarazzo again because she's their mom. That's how they're related to Randy. Remember me? I was uh, his sister that just randomly showed up in three for five seconds. Yep, I'm still here. I'm part of the series now. Well, she's been become the de facto way of tying Randy into the franchise since he's been killed. It was only one time in three. Uh, Well, now it's a second time. Now it's a second time in a major way. Yeah, big time. (laughs) 
So this is where we get our requel. Mm-hmm. Like it's established that this is a requel. Yes. And we get our requel rules here. Yeah. And this is how you find out. Like, because she's like, it's not quite a sequel. It's not quite a reboot. Um, you know, and they're all like, what is the big deal? And she goes, you don't understand. For some people, the original Stab movie is their favorite movie. It's the first movie they saw. It's the reason they love horror. Like, it's the basis of their entire childhood and personhood. Like, Stab A spat on all of that and people were furious. Yeah, again, calling it right away what the deal is here, which is interesting. Yeah, and she said, like, you can't really just reboot a franchise anymore because that's not good enough and you can't just do a sequel without tying it into the original because then people don't care so this is kind of like what you do you have to introduce legacy characters but you also have to bring in new characters so that way a new generation can take over yeah and it's very meta because that's what we're doing right now Mm -hmm. um so basically they're it's like if you were if you have any tie to the originals you are in danger so randy is their uncle hers and chad's so they're in danger. Dewey's obviously in danger. Um, Wes is Wes in is danger. Like, Wes is like, oh, that mean, well, my mom was in one of them, so that means I am too. And she's like, nobody cares about the inferior shitty sequels, Wes. Your mom's <laughs> safe. <laughs> and uh, then uh, Wes is like, okay, well, maybe it's Dewey. And he's like, uh, maybe he's I like, am, but can you explain? <laughs> yeah, he's like, but what's my motive? And he was like, well, you've been stabbed a billion di- at times, dumped by your famous wife, and then crawled into a bottle. I say, I'd say it's safe to say you're on the suspect list. And he goes, well, maybe you're the killer. Because that cut deep. Oh, God. I lost my shit in the theater whenever that happened. <laughs> like, that's the funniest line to me. That And I feel like that's... Like a very classic Dewey response too. Like he, he <laughs> yeah. almost needs his little strawberry ice cream yeah. cone, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so Oh, and Stab Eight, by the way, it was just called Stab, which pissed people off. Um, and it was elevated horror. So the fans were really. Oh, did they mad do elevated? Is that yeah. what they're saying? Yes. Oh fuck yeah. Can you yeah. imagine oh, and there are, Halloween and, ends? Yeah, and they're like, well, what's wrong with elevated horror? A lot of people like that. And they're like, yeah, but that's not what Stab is. Stab is a meta commentary whodunit slasher. Yeah, boom, exactly. So A lot of people same complaints for Halloween. And then Mindy points out that Sam should really be the number one suspect, and she's pissed off that she's on the list. So she leaves. She leaves Richie there with a bunch of strangers. I know. That was so shitty of her to do. Like, she, he doesn't even know these people. <laughs> And then she gets Billy in the background. And, and he's like, you need, you can't keep ignoring who you are. And she's like, I don't want to be like you. And he says, you need to be a little bit like me in order to survive. To which I say, Billy, you lasted the least amount of any character in the yeah, franchise. Billy, you died in high school. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. But he is a ghost now, I guess. So I, I don't guess, know. <laughs> but like saying that she needs him to survive is really overselling his own abilities. Yeah, for real. So now it cuts to Hicks at her house. And she's, she's ordering, ordering sushi. To, yeah, with extra edamame. Extra edamame, yes. Um, and uh, she hears a sound and she goes to investigate and grabs a knife. And Ends almost stabs Wes. Wes. Yeah, it's Wes. So she, call it off. Yeah. But she goes out to go pick it up and leaves him there. To we go get a male shower scene. Yes. It's a nice twist on the classic trope. We haven't even talked about it yet, but it's Wallows. This I definitely called him Wallows when I was reading through Did the cast you? list. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, okay. So we get Wallows again. Yeah. And he was, like, humming the whole time, and I really wish he was, like, humming a Wallows song. I know, it would have been funny. Like, I, I'm shocked that there's not he, a Wallows song in the soundtrack. He's watching his hair, he's like... 
he is a scrawny motherfucker. Are you kidding me? The guy has like no body fat. Yeah. It's fucking insane. Uh, he's got like muscle, but he's not like built. That's like people with no body fat. Like you yeah. just see their muscle. <laughs> that's yeah. It. So um, Hicks is on her way to go pick up the food and, and she gets, she gets a, a call. call from Ghostface. And Ghostface threatens to kill Wes. So this causes her to turn on her lights and you turn. She go back. calls for all units to approach her house. All units in Woodsboro. And I just want to remember that because the rest of the movie or the rest of the scene is like probably five or ten real life minutes. More than that, I'm sure. Like it's a long time. I'd say it's probably 15 to 20. Yeah, because Wes is like, so she gets home and she's trying to run in. She's trying to call Wes and he's not answering because he's in the shower. And she goes running to the front house and she gets stabbed on her own front. The deputy or the sheriff sheriff. of the town gets stabbed in broad daylight in her front yard. I love that. With all of the cops on the way. It's brutal and the stakes are high in this movie. Yeah, this whole scene is great. The way that that's done and then the following scene with like Wes... You know, they're doing all the thing where it's setting it up like, oh, Ghostface is going to be behind this thing. Nope. Oh, it's going to be behind this thing. Nope. And then eventually Ghostface just... Uh, just appears Yeah, just like him. pins him up against the door. And I love this shot because it's like no cuts and this, like the knife goes right through his neck. Oh, it's, it's so gross. It's done so well. But the effect, Yeah, the effects in this movie are great. Yeah, and he dies there. Yeah, and he's like reaching for his taser yeah it's oh, just yeah, out of reach yeah before this he was like talking about how everybody at school is making fun of him because his mom is making him be extra cautious right now but he does it anyway he doesn't just blow her off yeah which i think is kind of sweet and it, it didn't end up mattering yeah. at all uh so sam arrives at his house i don't know why she like went that direction but she did i think maybe she noticed the cops i guess that's the only logical reason i could think of for her stopping at this place also we didn't talk about the fact when judy was on the phone ghostface kept calling her judy Judy. (laughs) who was this was this uh amber probably amber because she knows wes and wes's family yeah i feel like because amber hates everybody like i feel very personal to call her judy definitely um so yeah sam arrives at the scene and kale's there um and they talk for a minute um and then she gets distracted because she sees dewey and she goes over and yells at him for texting her why did you send me a smiley face (laughs) And then that's where he reveals that he was forced to retire um, and that he's actually the one that initiated the split between the two of them because two months after they moved to New York City, he said he couldn't cut it and he left in the middle of the night. Um, That's a shitty way to go. Yeah. And it's really just like that they were different people and they just, they wanted different things out of life. And she said, you know, it was my turn. We agreed on that. It was a good opportunity. And he was just like, yeah. Couldn't cut it. But like then I remember, you know, when he was working in Hollywood with um Yeah, but he wasn't living Jennifer there. Jennifer Jolie. He was living in Jennifer Jolie's backyard. Not for two months, probably. Like probably <laughs> just the time it takes to film a stab movie, which is I'm sure like a couple About of weeks. two months. <laughs> yeah, maybe a few months. I don't know. Uh but Sam realizes that all the cops were called to this house mm-hmm. and she's like, Oh no, that means nobody's with Tara. Yep. So she goes to go rush to the hospital and Dewey joins her because he's in this thing now. Meanwhile, Richie is at their like hotel or wherever they're staying and he is um, 
watching Film Kills, which is just um, dead meat, dead meat yeah. because they're friends with uh, the folks at Radio Silence, mm-hmm. so they gave them this cameo. And I think it's kind of dirty that the captions just caption them as person one and person two. Do they really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that is a little bit disrespectful. Yeah, but they're talking about like, Oh, and we're just calling it Stab... Just call it Stab 8. It's fucking Stab 8. You know... Mm-hmm. Uh, can we talk about his new weapon? <laughs> I, I love how in this right here... Because what they're showing on there is what we got as the previews for this movie. You just saw the Metal Mask Ghostface mm-hmm. and the Flamethrower, and everybody's expecting that in this. And then you go to, to watch the movie, and it's just like Chelsea and James just like yeah. shitting on it right there, and that's the extent of it. Also, and there's like a little side, thing. Yeah. yeah, Kirby is confirmed as alive, mm-hmm. which will be important later. Next month. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he uh, Sam calls him and he's like, you know, they weren't joking. Stab eight really does just kind of go off the rails. And she was like, no, we need to get to the hospital now. Uh, Tara's unprotected. Can he, like, believably, did he really watch all of those movies within like 12 hours no right i mean maybe maybe he did but that would be no sleep maybe he found the annual stabathon maybe i guess yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so tara is like watching tv at the hospital and then the power goes out and she gets a little bit suspicious so she like pulls herself over into her wheelchair and it's really painful and like you can tell she was like struggling like She's again, not ready for this. once again, Jenna Ortega really fucking sells it. Yes, and um, she is realizing something's wrong. She gets out there. She sees that there's a dead security guard. His weapon has been taken from him. She hides in a room and she like pulls a phone off a wall. And somebody walks in and she bashes him in the head and it's Richie. Richie. (laughs) And uh, somebody points out, it sounds like he's about to say, did you just hit me with a phone dick? (laughs) Like, Stu, yeah. No, you hit me with a phone dick. (laughs) That is funny. Yeah, and then like right as he's saying that, Ghostface comes out, stabs him on the the arm. Yeah, gives him the killer cut on his forearm. And you think he's done. Tara is crawling down the hallway and then Ghostface also is calling Tara and... No, no, no. Sam calls Tara. No, Ghostface. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Ghostface answers it and says, I'll let you pick. Do you want me to kill Richie or kill Tara? And she's like, please don't kill either of them. And he's like, well, you have to choose. And this is how you know it's Amber. She's like, you can even choose to save your own sister's life. Not only that, like, Jack well, is, yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, if he hadn't been there, like, it would have been like, oh, you can't even choose to save your own I sister. I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, um, okay. No, yeah, you're right. Yeah, just, I mean, like we were saying before, like the whole cadence of how she speaks. Like, and here's the thing, though. On the phone, like, Sam is really believable as being distraught. So maybe you're right. It's something about, like, the emotions on her face. No, the entire time I was sad. thinking, like, she's she would be a great voice actor in this yeah. right here. But it's, it's her face, for sure. Yeah, and she was like, well, actually, I'm just stalling for time. The elevator opens up, and Dewey starts blasting. Boom, he, like, shoots yeah. his face. Well, not really here. He misses. Yeah. Face runs away. They go over there and rescue Tara and Richie. And then as he's carrying Richie away, Ghostface attacks. And then he actually wins this struggle mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. shoots Ghostface like four times. Yeah. Probably. Well, he unloads his whole gun. And they start to go to the elevator. But then Dewey says, The head. You have to shoot them in the head. You have to go back always. So he leaves them there and then he reloads, goes over there, points the gun, 
is like a mere second away from pulling the trigger. But as he does that, conveniently, a phone rings, and this is enough of a distraction for Ghostface to kick him and then double stab him, yeah. kill him, and tell him what an honor it is. To, what an honor. <laughs> so it's Yep. So, so Dewey's dead. Yeah. It fucking sucks. I hate that they kill Dewey. In the hospital waiting room, Sam and Gail talk, and Gail's just like, I should have stopped him. And Sam's like, if you did, then my sister would be dead. And you can see the look on Gail's face where she's like, I don't give a shit about your sister. Um, like, that's the wrong comforting thing to say. Like, Well, you saved a life, at least. Yeah, but still, like, that was the wrong way. Like, she could have said it better. Like, he died saving somebody instead yeah. of like, it, you know, it was him or my sister. So yeah. Yeah, I that's how it comes across. Yeah. Um, and she's like, she gets told that Tara's awake. So she goes back to her room. And that's when Sydney appears. Um, the only thing that drew her to town was because Dewey died. Yes. So Sam and Tara decide that they're going to get the fuck out of Woodsboro. That's their big plan. And Richie's like, yes, finally, we're going to we're going to do the thing that we're supposed to do. Um, and as they're on their way out, Sydney approaches and she's like, um, this is your life now. And I'm just telling you from experience that you want to go ahead and take care of this. And she was like, no offense, but I'm just going to get out of here. And she's like, I like this. Like, I, I OK, it, this feels like people like feeling like they're. I know that she like is experienced this and mm-hmm. she's like, I know exactly what this is. But like, at the same time, like, thanks. But like, you're not the like, this isn't a movie. Like, stop pretending like you're Sydney is approaching this like with main character syndrome. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I know exactly what you're doing. Your life is going to be very different now. It's going to you're never going to be the same. But <laughs> if you ever need anybody to talk to, talk to me. It's like, dude, just get the fuck away with me. Like from me. I don't know who you are. I'm getting yeah. the fuck out of town. Like, it's, yeah. it's kind of like. I like seeing that from the outside in though, because to them, like it's been like this whole emotional thing and like they all talk to each other that way. But yeah, yeah. she's like, nah, we're going to leave. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they drive away and Gail's like, now what? And he's like, oh, I put a tracker on her car. Yeah. Did old Gail Weathers move. <laughs> Gail looks shocked and Sydney's like, it seems like a thing Gail she, Weathers would do. She's like, I don't know. I guess I'll take that as a compliment. And then Tara realizes she doesn't have her inhaler. Um, and she's like, well, can we call one into the pharmacy? And she's like, not without a prescription. Um, and we've been seeing her puff on this inhaler pretty regularly. So yeah. like, it's, it's a legit thing. Yeah. She said um, she can only go a few hours without it. Yeah. And especially like if she's on all of those painkillers and stuff, suppressing her, like it's even more important for her to have like those open yeah. airways. Um, so she's like, well, I keep a spare at Amber's and it's on the way. And Richie's like, uh, no fucking way. Like he's very anti, like he's selling it, dude. He is. Yeah. Like I firmly am like there's what no do you, what do you think would have happened if he would have accidentally convinced him like yeah you know what actually I, after the like i got stabbed like something happened in there i just don't need it as much anymore he's like oh shit you probably would have said something to freak them out so that way she would have like an asthma attack and yeah. they would like have to go get the inhaler or like he's driving like oh there's something in the road <laughs> <laughs> like swear real quick and she like, goes <gasps> yeah oh my god we gotta go to your inhaler huh <laughs> yeah so there's a huge party at Amber's, um, and they do they do a shot to Wes. Yeah, very. It's a cool way to do like an actual toast and it's to just, Wes. Because uh, they're all like to Wes. Uh, yeah, it's nice. Um, so Amber says she's gonna go get more beer from the basement because she's told that they're out. She goes down there and she grabs like two beers. Hmm. 
So she grabs basically one for herself and one for Mindy. And Mindy pops up and she does her whole like psycho babble at her. Yeah, it's just like banter on what the rules are, which mm-hmm. I think it's kind of funny that she's like, oh, yeah, well, what makes you think that I'm not the killer? Mm-hmm. And it's actually her is the killer. Like, But I guess she's not ready to kill yet. So they both still head back upstairs. Uh, Liv is dry humping Chad on the couch. And she's like, OK, I think I'm ready. And Chad is like, I don't know. And every time we watch this, I forget his reasoning. And I think he's, like, thinking it because, like, she's scared and drunk and he's being, like, a nice guy. And he's like, no, we're not going to do it under these circumstances. But, no, Chad the himbo, his reasoning is, I don't know that you're not the killer. Yeah. (laughs) To which she's understandably pissed off and leaves. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, And this is, uh, okay. Yeah, um, but he ends up following after her after like Mindy makes fun of him a lot. Um, so he's like, I'm going to go after her. And when he goes out in the yard, he gets a text message. It's an invite to find my fam. And this is another really good like tense scene because like he's following like her little dot and it's like luring him out into like a secluded part of the yeah, yard. Using modern technology mm-hmm. again. They do a good job with that. Yeah. And he gets stabbed a, a lot. lot. <laughs> this guy I'm saying it now. He is the new Dewey. Yes. Because in this and the next one, he gets stabbed the fuck off. I think he is already over he, In Dewey's this movie alone. Count. Yeah. Dewey in like the beginning of this, he's like, I've been stabbed nine times. Chad's like, I've been stabbed nine in the opening. Yeah. Like, that's it. Like the first movie. I'm already passing your numbers here. All right. So Tara what? shows up. Yeah, it scares away Ghostface because Richie and Tara and Sam all arrive. Yeah. And they go inside the house and Amber shuts down the party. Which, like, isn't that weird? Like, Tara's like, we're going out of town. And Amber's like, I understand. And she goes, I need my inhaler. And she goes, okay. And so instead of being like, let me go grab it for you since you're on crutches, she's like, all right, everybody out. Yeah, I don't understand it. And they should have been more suspicious. Especially when Richie is also like, okay, everybody out. <laughs> I do like his, he's like, like all right, too. teens. No, Gen Z, um, all right, I'm going to need everybody to leave. He's like, okay, that's it. Get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. And it, like somebody at one point like finishes a drink and tosses their cup. And he's like, thank you for leaving your cup. Yes. <laughs> I, and I said, like, I feel like that was ad-libbed by yeah. Jack Quaid. He's like, okay, thanks for leaving the cup. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, like, I don't I don't know. Like they should have been more suspicious because Richie's like, I'm gonna go get a beer. Like, first of all, Richie, you're the one driving at night. You haven't slept because you've been watching Stab since we arrived in Woodsboro. Yeah. Um, why do you think we're gonna be here long enough to get a beer? Cause she's just supposed to be going to get her inhaler. Um and Yeah, I didn't even yeah. think about that. That's so weird. Yeah. And then uh he Mindy tells him that there's more beer in the basement and he's like, Do you want to come with me? She goes, No, but you're right to ask. I love this whole scene between <laughs> the two of them. He's like, All right, I'll be right back. Uh. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this is the one time that I think like Mindy's like sarcasm and maybe knowledge like really makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh so yeah, he goes down there. Um and then Sam gets a call from Sydney. Because mm-hmm. they notice on the tracker where they stopped at, and she reveals that they're actually at Stu's house. Yeah. And I love that shot of it yes. like, zooming out. Like, yes. oh, my God, it is Stu's house. Yes. Because they haven't made any changes outside. Mm-hmm. Everything inside looks a little bit different, though. So with all of that going down. um, So um, Mindy is watching the 
Oh, wait, no. Okay. Uh, Liv appears. She's pissed and she's ranting about Chad to Mindy. And Mindy's like, where is my brother? And she's like, what are you talking about? And then she like has this whole like um, rant about like, oh, maybe I'm the killer. I thought you said I was too boring. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. Like it's a whole like weird moment. You know, and then uh, she storms out. Speaking of like bad actors, if we're calling it the mountainous, like I think it's fair to call her out in this scene too because she's like, have you seen Chad? And then she goes, what? No, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, I think she was not given much to work with, though. Probably honestly. not, but still at the same time, I every time I see this performance in this scene right here, I'm always like, oh, it's not good. <laughs> I'm always distracted by her makeup because it's like a really harsh black outline yeah. and then white, white. metallic eyeshadow, yeah. so it looks like her eyes are open when they're closed. Yeah, like her eyes rolled back. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah so... Um, Mindy is watching Stab, and it's the scene where Randy is yelling at Jamie to look behind her, look behind her, and Mindy is, like, cheering on the TV, and she is high and drunk. <laughs> and meanwhile, Ghostface is, like, behind her, yeah. except she actually does look behind her. She gets stabbed in the shoulder, and there's, like, this whole fight, and then... um Sam comes in and she's helping fight off Ghostface, and then that's where everybody starts kind of piling in, and they're all, like, it's like the Spider-Man like, yeah. meme where they're all like pointing at each, each other. other. Yeah. And Liv then Liv has blood on her. Yeah. Right Cause too. she found Chad and she's like, I'm not the killer. And Amber goes, I know you're not the killer. Boom. Yeah. That was a good reveal. Good yeah. Way to do it. So, and then she goes, welcome to act three. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, this is where everybody like splits up, goes running. Richie tells Sam that there's always two killers and he's like, no offense, but you haven't spoken to Tara in five years. Um, and then she ditches him to go find Tara anyway. Yeah. Which she finds Tara up in the closet taped up. Mm -hmm. um, and she like, we see her pause for a second. And then it cuts to Sydney and Gail arriving. Um, they, as they pull up, there's a scream. And then Amber comes out and she's like, please, he's attacking. He's attacking. And they're like, mm, don't buy it. Yeah. And then she pulls out and she's like, oh, fuck it. And she pulls out a gun and starts shooting him. She gets uh, Gail in the hip. Um, and Gail's like, no, go in, go in. Yeah. We need to take care of this. Oh, yeah, yeah. She gets shot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it, though. Um, uh, Ghostface calls Sydney as she's going through the house. Um, and Just she's shooting into doors. Yeah, she told everybody. She's like, you guys have five seconds to come out, kill her or not. Um, and when nobody does, she just shoots into the doors. Yeah. Um, and while she's doing so she gets the call from Ghostface and, um, you know, typical Ghostface bullshit. And then at one point, she shoots into a like a water heater closet and hits Richie <laughs> and he's like what the fuck and then um Ghostface pops out from a different room yeah but that was definitely Richie on the phone because like, yeah you could tell the call ends like right yeah there. yeah um and then so they fight Sydney goes over a banister the gun gets thrown away and Sam comes running in to grab the gun and Richie's like shot in the leg so he's limping um and then she, when she grabs the gun, where she goes, "Oh, thank God you're here!" and he stabs her. And then uh, he's like, "Yeah, I know. It's a bummer. It's me." And I feel like he's actually talking to the audience in this moment because yeah. he's such an enjoyable character up until now. Mm -hmm. well, it reveals, is a bummer. It's him. It reveals he's had the inhaler the entire mm -hmm. time. Uh, so this is where they go into their whole motive of everything, and basically. 
They're doing this because they hate the direction that the sad movies went in. They want to save the franchise. Yeah, so they want to give them fresh material. Yeah, and they're like, how can fandom be toxic? Yeah, it's a whole commentary on toxic fandoms, which I get it, but at the same time, I just, I like these two as killers. I just hate their motive. Yeah, it's, the dialogue's a little bit cringy. Yeah, it is. So, yeah, they're unhinged. Yeah. Um, and then they end up actually fighting because, um, like, Gail and Sid are also there now. Yeah. So Gail and Sid are against Amber, and it's mm-hmm. Richie and... Uh, did I call Gail and... Yeah. Gail and Gail Sydney. And Sid, yeah. And yeah, Sam they, and Richie mm-hmm. are now. And he's, like, tracking her upstairs because he's following the blood uh, yeah. pattern. Yeah. And um, we learned that Sam had untied Tara and so Tara's sneaking around and she's hitting Amber with her crutches and um Sam at one point tackles Richie and so they're fighting. Sydney and Gail hit Amber over the head with some hand sanitizer and they shoot at her and she falls onto the gas range and Oof, catches on fire. Yeah. yeah. Um meanwhile Sam and Richie are fighting and Ghost Dad is like like nudging oh. her like, hey, there's a knife over here. Also, Sydney's been stabbed too. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Just as it's a yeah. scream thing at this point, getting stabbed. Yes, in the stomach. yes, stabbed in the t- tummy stabs. Yes, um, and then she ends up. She grabs the knife and stabs him like a lot, like fifty fucking times. It's yeah, an excessive they, amount. They of times. give the exact number in Scream Six. Yeah, they which do. We've only yeah. seen it one time, so it's, we'll be able to confirm next yeah, time. It's definitely double digits. Yeah, upper. Uh, and then she, he's like, "What about my ending?" And she goes, "Well, here it is." And then slices <laughs> oh, his throat. Yeah, that's nice. I also don't want to talk about her cringy dialogue in this moment. We'll never fuck with the daughter of a serial killer. Yeah, what the fuck is that? Just, Are you wearing that as like a badge of honor? <laughs> like, I, like I just, I, you don't want to be like I just, I don't. We don't have enough time left in this episode to really go into like her whole like. I get how there's conflict there, but I don't think it was handled well in the movie. No. It's just weird. Okay, let me tell you another bad line. So, um, Tara shoots Amber when she has her second mm-hmm. wind because they always come then, back. And then as she shoots her, she says, "I still prefer the Babadook." Like, what the fuck is that? Nobody's been, that's been days ago, weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, Tara. the only person that would have appreciated that callback it's is a person dead. that's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody, and everybody's like, why the fuck? Okay, she hit her head. <laughs> They're just like, oh, she's on so many drugs. Oh, oh, poor, poor baby. Tara. Wow, <laughs> probably get the gun from her. <laughs> um, then the, this one ends very similarly to the first one where we see people that we thought were dead are still alive and are being put into ambulances, a.k.a. the twins. Yes. Um, and then we pull back and there's a reporter in a bright yellow suit. Outside. Us, outside Stu's of Stu's house. house telling yeah. the story of what happened. That's cool. I, I do like that. All right. I think I want to keep it at a seven. That feels right to yeah. me. I, I've got problems with it. I've got problems that the story is a little bit clunky for me at times. And I think it could have it could have been smoothed out a little bit. I agree. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I like it. I'll keep mine at a 7, too. Okay. Um, I, I like the cast. I like the characters. I think everybody does good. Um, I don't like what they did with Dewey, obviously. I also... I don't know. Like, I just don't like the motive. I like I like these two as killers. Like Amber and Richie are both like really fun to watch when they're in their element. And just like 
Richie was fun the entire time. Amber, you don't really get as much. Yeah. She doesn't really get fleshed out as much as the other. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's still a good time. It's still a good movie. Um, Talia slept through this whole thing. She had like, some intense dreams, so. She had some intense dreams, but I feel like she's very neutral on it. So we're going to say she gives it a five. Yeah, okay. That sounds about right. Um, and Zoe was present for the entire movie. She very was, cuddly. Yeah, she was either on my lap or on the dog bed. So yeah. she was she was there and she was watching. Um, huh. Okay, so who did you relate to? Hmm. Like, I don't relate to his, like, whole motive thing, but, like, I relate in a lot of ways to Richie. Like, you know, like, I would binge watch that shit, like, you know, the sad movies uh, in preparation. Uh, like, I'm also, like, super into, like, you know, horror movies, obviously, but, like, you know, the whole, like, leaving thing, too. Like, and, yeah. like you know, like, I, he, he's a very relatable guy. I think I relate to Mindy in some ways, just where, like, she immediately, like, goes to, like, the whole this is a horror movie like what are the rules of a horror movie because i i've done that in spooky situations be like well this feels like a horror movie and this is what we should do now yeah and you're also a psychopath yeah exactly um okay um we don't do dream sequel don't do a dream sequel we already talked about what we would change so what's our new tagline new tagline hmm (laughs) shit what are you um, the past comes back to haunt you. I do like that because it's tying to the past, and also her dad's a ghost. Or you can say, "Don't fuck with the original," because like, and it's not really a line in this, but like, it's a line time. in Scream Four. Yeah, well, I feel like it like it makes more sense here because like, don't fuck with the original. Don't get the original involved at all. Just move on from that and start some new shit. What is the what's an opposite for elevated? schlock sleaze no i'm like talking in terms of like just you know the english language uh elevated yeah um come on we're gonna we're gonna google this descended descending horror yeah um bottom of the barrel shit (laughs) lessened reduced decreased (laughs) poop (laughs) Okay, so decrease. Um, lessened horror. <laughs> no, I don't like that. Um, we're meh on the Babadook. <laughs> Scream, we're meh on the Babadook. No, I like the Babadook. I, I, I think it's okay. Yeah. I don't think I prefer it to this. Um, <laughs> the Babadook's okay. <laughs> I think I like I could I could talk a lot about the Baba Duke. I hate the way that people like shit on that kid in the movie. No, There's, I know. I, th- uh, I just think it's funny as a tagline. Like, scream! The Baba Duke is okay. The Baba Duke's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, scream! I wouldn't say I prefer the Baba Duke, but it's an okay movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, either one of those. Okay. Okay. That's funny. Uh, okay, so you got a review for this one? I do. Um, I knew like we don't hate this movie, but it's also very clearly not our most favorite. Yeah. So I wanted to go. I wanted to get a, ten, a fan perspective that was a ten out of ten. Okay. Uh, this is a ten out of ten on IMDb. Um, can they posted it the day the movie came out? Oh shit! They were into it. Yeah. 
Sequel, requel, whichever term you use, you know such movies are unlikely to be superior films to the originals. The Scream franchise is excellent. It's staring rules at the be- it's dating. I think it's supposed to say stating rules at the beginning of the movies. This is no exception. In fact, there are two types of rule sets explained. There are some amazing jump scares. More noticeably, there are tons of callbacks. Keep your eyes peeled. One character is prophetic and basically tells you who done it. In fact, the individual tells on themselves. There is only one kill I do not buy at all. When you see it, you will call it out yourself. There is an homage to Wes Craven. This is definitely a jump off from the originals. There's an outright admission to dialogue about this in Act 3. So. Okay. Um, it seems like they really enjoy it as like a requel or whatever term you want to use, and they admit that it's not superior to the original, but that it's a decent enough follow up. If you know, honestly, if I reviewed it on the day that I watched it, I was in love with this movie, like from the get go. Like, like when we walked out of that theater, I was like, "Oh my god, that was fucking amazing!" But I was happy to have Scream back. Yeah i I went in unsure. Yeah. Um, we knew obviously we were going to watch it, but I was unsure of it and I did enjoy it. Um, and this is one that I've just consistently gone back and forth on. Um, yeah, but this one more so than the others because everybody shits on three, but I've always liked three. I've never had a problem with it. And this one right here, I just like, there are just times that I watch it and I'm like, I don't know. Like, I think that maybe they're just trying, like it's a new people, new team. They're like getting their bearings they're setting things up. It's hard to do. It's tough to make a good movie whenever you're taking it over for well, the first time. And, and you I have mean, to... Sam calls it out at one point. She said, are you saying I'm caught up in the middle of fan fucking fiction? And that's essentially what this yeah, is. Really. It's fan fiction. Like yeah. they're t- It's a whole new team taking over this franchise. Yeah, um, pretty much. And, it, and that's kind of how fan fiction tends to go. Like you got like that, like, you know, a little bit of an awkward setup where you're like, okay, this is how we're going to immerse ourselves into this world. And then I hope that we still love Scream 6 when we watch it next month. Because we I haven't mean, seen it since theaters. That's true, but I'm thinking about it now. And I'm like, man, that was such a good movie. Yes, I I loved it. Yeah. Um, while we were watching it, it's one of those that like, I didn't want it to be over. Yeah, which so. we we we've only watched it in theaters. We yeah. haven't done a second watch yet. We're saving that for the episode next month. Yeah. Uh, okay, but I totally understand this like being one of somebody's favorites in the series. You know, it's totally fair. It's a good movie still. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not judging the people that really love this. And I I want to love it more. And sometimes I really do love it. And then other times I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I've got some listener reviews. Okay. So I'll start off on Instagram. We have Tucker. Okay. Who chimes in saying, hashtag justice for Dewey. Pretty good, <laughs> all things considered. The Force Awakens of the franchise, which is ultimately saved by the benefit of a pretty good follow up. Eight out of ten. I think this is fucking like, like on it. Like that's right. It. Okay. I don't know. Like I mean, like yeah, justice for Dewey. I agree with that. I do agree that whenever you think about the sequel, I think that it kind of changes your opinion on this a little bit more. Yeah. Because like I feel like knowing what's coming and what these people are capable of, it makes this one a little bit, like, I can look at it a little bit less now because, like, yeah. I see your potential. Yeah. Like, I mean, even in Ready or Not, like, I know what you guys are capable of. Yeah. Like, this isn't what you guys do. Uh, next up, we have Robert Atone. He just says, shaking my damn head. 
<laughs> I think we all know Robert's feelings yes, on this. Because, he talked about it a little bit more in our episode earlier this month on Perfect Blue. Yeah, if you need it fleshed out, listen to our Perfect Blue episode. Just like the first 15 minutes even. Like you will hear his thoughts. On yeah. That. And uh, over on Twitter, we have Kevy Kev. Says, strong opening, decent middle, kind of underwhelming third act and finale. Probably in the bottom half of the series for me. Totally where I stand with this too. I do think that this is one of the better openings in the series. But yeah. like, there's not a bad opening in no. the series. It's I, great. I don't think I could rank the openings, honestly. I yeah. would be very hard pressed. Uh, next up, Aquili Boobs says, I thought this one was great. The new blood with Sam and Tara was a good move, plus the fact that she's related to the OG Ghostface, Billy. My complaint, there is a, there is no motherfucking way Amber was strong enough for some of those skills. Was she on PCP? She's like four foot 80 pounds. Come on. Yeah, I mean, I remember that was one of the big things when we talked about this on the decision reel. Like, but they like made a case saying you've got to embrace the cheese man like it's yeah it's you, you gotta like disconnect i don't watch bit. these movies for the plausibility yeah because if you think about it there's no fucking way like that was her killing west she we saw him like he's like he's stringy but he's like got muscle he would have been able to fight back amber yeah but she like overpowers him there like you yeah. just gotta like let go of it because if you have these people actually playing the ghost face, like you will be able to tell who is who because like there's only one person yeah. there that's like four foot tall. Yeah. Uh, all right. And we also have Chad has his in Kev's reply. He says, you know, I really liked it initially until I saw six and it was so damn good that it made me realize that five is barely better than three. To me, it has its fans. I'm just not one. Next to last for me. Okay. And, uh, Final is Tyler. He says, well, there were some issues I had with dialogue here and there. I thought this was such a fun addition to the franchise. Richie is not my fave, but Amber is so chaotic and silly. I adore her. The kills were fun. I like the new characters. I'm still not over. I know. Pop. Yeah. Okay, here's the thing with Amber. I love her once we get the reveal because I think Mikey has a lot of fun playing that character yeah. once she gets to be like that, but we don't get enough of her beforehand. And it's almost like the reverse with Richie. Like the stuff he works with after the reveal is a lot less fun than his stuff prior to that. I love her when she's revealed to be yeah. the killer because she's fun to watch. Yeah. She's different. D- completely unhinged. Yeah. yeah. She's just a overprotective friend. And yeah. That's she gets all we know. very little material to work with beforehand. Yeah. Okay, that's our reviews. Okay. All right, so that's it for this week's episode. Um, we don't have the schedule for next month put together yet, so we don't know. That'll but be up this weekend. Um, yeah, you'll be able to find that on our social media. Yeah, like I said, next month is uh, this is gonna be the third parters in a lot of franchises. Triples are best. Triples, triples is are best. Safest. Triples is safest. Yes. Um, God, if we could find one with Bob Odenkirk. I'm just saying. I hope Bob Odenkirk is your drawing. On the board for the month. Oh, God. I need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It should just be Bob Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, we don't know yet. But um, you can find us on social media. We are on Twitter at Least Faith Pod. Instagram, what's your least favorite scary movie podcast? Or least, least favorite, favorite scary, scary movie, movie podcast. podcast. Uh, have a website, what's your least favorite scary movie.com. Um, we have our email, least favorite scary movie at gmail.com. And uh, we have a Patreon. Which, as Jesse said before, we're donating this month's uh, earnings to the Trevor Project. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 
but if you want to be a part of that and get extra content like our upcoming commentary on sleepaway camp you can do that and yep. be one of the cool people like eric and vivi of shaken not scared joe freakatron as is his full name amber and michael amber yeah oh Aww, amber hey, hey. <laughs> you got an amber. um i hope i don't know do you relate to this amber like the Amber in this movie? I don't know. Speak for all Ambers, please. Yes, you're representative. Um, we should have gotten Michael's input on Michael Myers. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, we missed an opportunity. Okay. All right. But, be, you know, you can be the cool people like them. This is great people. And we really appreciate your all support. And we appreciate everybody for being here listening. Yeah. It's very nice. Uh, thanks for being here with us for our whole Pride Month coverage. And, um, yeah. All right. We'll see you next month. We will see you guys. Bye. Bye.